Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at New Life Prez. And I have the special privilege here this morning to be able to deliver God's word to you here today. And as Pastor Paul alluded to at the beginning of the service, and as many of you may know, our ministry theme for this current year is Restored Healing and Wholeness in Christ. And throughout this past year, we've gone through various sermon series that have tried to encapsulate and flesh out that theme for us. And again, as we alluded to earlier today, we're actually beginning a new sermon series here today entitled Our Great Healer. And throughout this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to look at various scripture passages in the Bible that account God healing the blind, the sick, and the lame. And friends, our hope here this morning and for the rest of this month is that as we look at each of these accounts, that we'll be given a deeper and a clearer glimpse into our own need for spiritual healing and spiritual restoration in our own lives through all these passages that only Jesus can give us through his grace and through his gospel. But friends, with that said, our first passage this morning comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. If I could kindly ask everyone to please stand for the reading of God's word as a sign and act of reverence towards him, and I'll read this for us. Luke chapter 17, beginning of verse 11, this is the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. This is God's word. Please be seated, brother and sister. Well, friends, if you've ever cooked or baked anything before, you'll know that in order to get the right finished product, the right final result, you have to have all the ingredients. Now, if you just have some of the ingredients, if you have most of the ingredients, but you're missing one that's crucial to the recipe or whatever you're making, then you're not going to create what you originally set out or planned to make. For example, if you're trying to make cookies, and you, know, you have the flour, you got eggs and butter, uh, I think vanilla extract and like baking soda, but you forgot to restock on sugar at Costco then your cookies aren't going to end up tasting that great. Or if you're trying to make authentic Mexican street tacos, and you, know, you, you grill up and fry up all the meat, you warm the tortilla, chop up all the onions and cilantro, and then you realize you forgot the red sauce and the green sauce, or your tacos are going to end up tasting not that great and be pretty dry. Brothers and sisters, I begin with that today because in many ways, that's kind of a simplistic illustration of our passage here this morning. Because friends, without being overly formulaic, what this passage gives us and what it shows us is three heart postures, three heart postures, three elements or three ingredients, if you will, that are part and parcel of spiritual restoration, that lead to spiritual restoration. And friends, what happens in this passage is there are 10 lepers who encounter Jesus and they're looking for this restoration. They're seeking it out. They want it. But friends, the thing is, nine of the lepers, they demonstrate most of the ingredients that accompany spiritual restoration. But what happens is those nine lepers only walk away from Jesus being physically healed. And what we see in this passage is only one of the lepers dis displays all three of these heart postures. And consequently, he's the only leper that walks away with a genuine hope and you know, a genuine change in his life. In other words, friends, he walks away transformed with this encounter from Jesus, not just physically, but also spiritually and holistically in his life. And brothers and sisters, I know that this past, it goes without saying, not even this past year, these past few years have been difficult for many of us. Some of you friends here today, you may come here hurting and broken, may just feel tired and weary and just beat down by life. 
And others of, others of us, if we're honest, we just come here and we don't care as much as we did before about church, about God, about our relationship with him. And we saw some of us come here apathetic or numb, but friends, if that's you here today and you want this holistic restoration in your life, you want some level of change in your life, spiritually or holistically, then friends, what I want us to do and consider here today is how we can begin to pursue and experience this holistic change and transformation in our own lives here today. And the way I want to do that is by looking at, again, these three elements or ingredients that accompany spiritual restoration. And so, friends, what we'll look at here today in our passage are three things. First, we'll look at a cry of neediness that these lepers give to Jesus. Secondly, we'll look at Jesus giving these lepers a call to faith. And the third thing that we'll look at is the cry of thankfulness that only one of these lepers cries out and gives to Jesus. So again, the three things that we'll look at here this morning is first, neediness, secondly, faith, and lastly, thankfulness. Let's begin with the first point. In verses 11 and 12 of this passage, we are introduced to these 10 lepers that are seeking this restoration from Jesus. And Luke tells us in verses 11 and 12 this. He says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Now, friends, just to give a little bit of context to these verses, if you're not aware of this, back in Jesus' day, people who had leprosy, they were some of the most marginalized and outcast people in society. For, friends, if you don't know what leprosy is, essentially it's this disease where it causes rashes and boils and welts and discoloration of your skin all over your entire body. And friends, on the one hand, lepers back in the Old Testament, they were considered to be richly unclean, which meant that they weren't allowed to worship in the temple. They weren't allowed to even fellowship with God's people. But on top of that, Lepers were also marginalized because they were also considered to be highly contagious. You know, lepers weren't allowed to stay in their homes with their families. They were kicked out of the town. They had to stay in these little communities outside of the city on their own. They were essentially exiled from the regular community. And later Jewish laws even required lepers to maintain a 50-foot buffer between other people in public. In other words, 50-foot social distancing. Now, brothers and sisters, I know many of us complain about six-foot social distancing two years ago in 2020, but man, friends, imagine if you had to distance 50 feet away from anyone in public. That was the life of a leper. And friends, that's exactly why in verse 12, as Jesus is walking towards this village, he approaches it and he sees the lepers in the distance. Luke includes this kind of random detail in verse 12, and in verse 12 he tells us that these lepers stood at a distance from Jesus. In other words, friends, they didn't walk up to him and have just a regular conversation with Jesus, but friends, they had to stand 50 feet away from him they had to shout to him. They were so far away. And friends, that's why as they're standing off in the distance, Luke tells us in verse 13 that they make their request to Jesus. And in this request in verse 13, they say, Luke tells us that these lepers lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, have, Master, have mercy on us. Now, friends, what's really interesting about this verse, verse 13, is that if you notice, the lepers don't actually ask Jesus to heal them. Friends, just think about it. This is probably their one and only chance to talk to Jesus face to face. This is the one shot that they get. And friends, instead of asking Jesus to heal their leprosy, they don't ask him that. They don't ask Jesus, Jesus, remove this sickness from our bodies. Heal us. Friends, the only thing they ask Jesus is, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, friends, why? Friends, by crying out for mercy, what these lepers were doing was, friends, they were acknowledging their neediness. They were, in other words, friends, acknowledging that they didn't even deserve to ask for any of those other things or try asking for them. They didn't deserve to be healed. They didn't deserve a miracle from Jesus. Friends, they, they weren't saying, Jesus, we're lepers. But Jesus, we're really good lepers. We're the kind of lepers that you should heal. We deserve this healing. 
No, friends, instead they knew that there was nothing in themselves that deserved healing, nothing in themselves that even deserved Jesus' pity or his attention as he's walking on the road. And friends, that's the reason that they, the only thing they cry out to Jesus is, Jesus, have mercy on us, pity us. And friends, that's the first step towards spiritual restoration that we see here in this passage. You know, one of the reasons why these lepers were able to experience this healing, this restoration that they experienced in this passage was because, friends, they first of all recognized, they acknowledged, and they admitted their neediness before Jesus and before God. And so, brothers and sisters, the question for us here today is, friends, are you needy? Do you see yourself before God as needy? Do you see yourself before Jesus, friends, as broken? Do you feel needy here today? And friends, it's interesting, isn't it? Because for those of you who are parents, you know, I'm not a parent myself, but I was a kid once, so I know this. For those of you who are parents, the way that you can tell your child is growing up and is maturing in their life is how? They become more independent. More independent, in other words, the better way of saying it for you as parents is they're less needy. They're less dependent on you. The moment that you don't have to feed them anymore, change their diaper, take them to the bathroom, do their laundry for them, you don't have to drive them to school anymore, that's how you know they're growing up and maturing. But friends, the paradox in God's providence and wisdom is this in the Christian life. The more you and I grow as Christians, the more we grow in our faith, our relationship with God and Jesus, friends, the more we should be growing not in our independence, not in our self-sufficiency and our autonomy, but friends, the more we should be growing in our sense of our neediness and our dependency upon God. That's what the Bible teaches us. You know, J.C. Ryle, he was a famous Anglican bishop and pastor. He once commented on this passage, and he once said this, if saints could only see their souls as the ten afflicted lepers see their bodies, they would pray far better than they do. Friends, think of Jesus' own words in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. In Mark 2, 17, Jesus says those famous words, those who are well have no need of a physician. They don't need to see a doctor. But those who are sick do. And then Jesus says, I came to call not the righteous, not the healthy, but I came to call sinners. I came to call those who are sick, who see themselves as sick. Now, brothers and sisters, you know, I think a lot of times the reason that you and I are so prone to becoming spiritually numb and apathetic, struggling spiritually, friends, it's not because we aren't spiritually weak and needy, but because, friends, we don't even realize and admit how spiritually weak and needy we are in the first place. We don't acknowledge that. We don't see that or feel it. You know, just to try and kind of illustrate this, if you've ever had a, a viral infection before and you take an antibiotics, now, I'm not a medical professional, medical professional, so if I'm wrong, one of the doctors, please correct me after the service, but when you take antibiotics, you're required to take them for a period of either seven days or 14 days, one week or two weeks. And you're supposed to take it that entire time in order that the antibiotics can have their full effect. And oftentimes what happens when you're sick is, day one, you are desperate to take that medicine as soon as you get it from the pharmacy or you get your prescription because you feel that sick. You're suffering so much, you want to take the med- you almost want to take like two or three pills because you're so sick. You're that desperate. After a couple of days, the antibiotics, they start to work, and maybe day two, day three, or four, you start to feel a little bit better. And it may seem like the symptoms are gone, you're fully healed, and so what you're tempted to do is you're tempted to stop taking it. You feel like, I don't need this in the morning because I'm fine. The symptoms went away, when in reality, friends, according to the doctors at least, you need to finish out that seven or 14-day sequence in order to finish the work, and in order to rid yourself of that infection. And brothers and sisters, in many ways, 
I think that's how a lot of us go through the Christian life, isn't it? In seasons or moments when you are suffering, when something hits you that you weren't expecting and you're just at rock bottom and you're in the pits of life, friends, you're desperate for God. You, you feel like you actually need him. You need to turn to him every day in prayer. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. Friends, the moment that the symptoms start to go away, the moment that life becomes a little less difficult, a little easier, when you're no longer in suffering or pain, you no longer feel like you're at rock bottom anymore. Friends, you're tempted to just ditch the prescription, aren't you? You're tempted to leave your Bibles closed, to leave your mouths closed in prayer. When, friends, the reality is God's work in your life is far from finished. Friends, you're just as needy, you're just as desperate and in need of his grace as you were on day one. Brothers and sisters, if you want to begin to experience a level of healing and restoration spiritually and holistic in your life, friends, it begins with this. It begins with first seeing and recognizing and acknowledging your neediness before God and even to yourself. Because, friends, we don't always see ourselves this way, do we? Friends, that's the first step. You need to see your life, you need to see your soul as these ten lepers saw their bodies, broken and needy. This leads us to our second point. The second thing we see in our passage is a call to faith that Jesus gives these lepers. Now, friends, if you read verse 14 again with me, after these lepers make their request to Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us, Luke records Jesus' response in verse 14, and he says, when Jesus saw them, Jesus said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, friends, most commentators will point out that this is one of the most actually unique and distinct miracles and healing accounts that Jesus ever uh, did in any of the Gospels. Because, friends, in this passage, what you'll notice is Jesus doesn't touch the lepers to heal them. He doesn't proclaim, you are now healed and you are now cleansed in my name. He doesn't pronounce, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. Friends, the only thing that Jesus says in this passage is he gives these lepers this kind of cryptic command, and he says in verse 14, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, friends, what Jesus is doing in verse 14 is He's invoking this Old Testament protocol for people who had leprosy. See, back all the way in Leviticus 14, God gave instructions for people who were lepers. And the thing is, in Leviticus 14, when you had leprosy, but you were finally recovered, you're fully healed and recovered from your leprosy, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to go show yourself to the priest, and the priest would essentially function as a sort of health inspector to verify whether all of your leprosy was gone or not. That's what the priest's function was. And if all the leprosy was gone, then the priest would admit you back into the temple, he would allow you to walk back into the city and be with your family again, but if you have even one ounce or speck of leprosy still on your body, the priest would exile you back outside the camp and say, you're not, you can't come until you're fully cleansed, fully healed. And so friends, when Jesus tells these 10 lepers, go and show yourself to the priest, friends, essentially what he's doing them is he's giving them a test of faith. He's telling them to go show themselves to the priest while their bodies are still full of leprosy. They're still broken and sick. Friends, from a human standpoint, it makes absolutely no sense to do this. And yet, friends, what do the lepers do? They listen. All 10 of them, every single one of them obey. They don't argue with Jesus saying, Jesus, I think you got the order backwards. You're supposed to heal me first, and then I go to the priest. They don't try and make excuses saying, Jesus, I think I'm going to wait it out a little bit until I, I recover, and then I'll go to the priest. Friends, they just obey. And again, verse 14 tells us that as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, as they had faith, as they obeyed in faith, they were cleansed and they were healed. Now, brothers and sisters, this passage is clearly not teaching us that every time we obey Jesus or have faith in him, that he's going to heal you, he's going to make your suffering go away, your hardships go away. 
But friends, what this passage does remind us of and what it does teach us is this. Now friends, at the end of the day, the Christian life is a life of faith. It's a life of faith. In other words, friends, sometimes the things that God is going to call you to do or desire you to do, it's not always going to make sense. It's not always going to make sense to your eyes or what you think is right or logical even. And perhaps the best summary of this is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. You know, in talking about the nature of the Christian life, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, brothers and sisters, if you've grown up in the church, that's probably something you've heard your entire life. You've seen that posted around in people's living rooms on posters, walk by faith, don't walk by sight. But brothers and sisters, where I think many of us struggle when it comes to living and walking by faith is this. And for many of us, when it comes to our salvation, our relationship with God, we're fine walking by faith. We're totally fine. But friends, when it comes to any, almost any other area of our lives, we'd rather walk by sight. Friends, what do I mean by that? Just, just think about it. When you first believed the gospel, when you first accepted the gospel, if you can remember that time in your life, it required faith, didn't it? In other words, it required you to believe and trust something that God said and tend to respond to it and obey it. In other words, God spoke to you through his word, through someone else evangelizing, through a sermon, and told you that by believing in Jesus, all of your baggage, all of your mistakes and sins can be forgiven, and that you can be given eternal life and a real hope in this world all by putting your faith in this guy named Jesus. Now, at that moment, it probably went against all common sense, all logic, all pragmatism, and all, everything that you knew to be true about this world and how it operates. And yet, friends, in that moment, you responded in faith. You walked by faith. But friends, here's the thing. When it comes to almost any other area of our lives, besides our relationship with God or besides our salvation, for example, when it comes to our careers, our relationships, our security and our money, our finances, our families, or even our health, well, friends, we don't really like living by faith, do we? Instead, what you and I oftentimes do is we make excuses we try and argue and bargain with God or challenge or debate with him because, friends, we'd much rather live by sight. And for, as an example, friends, think about what God speaks to you and says to you, not about your salvation, but about your money. Now, friends, when God tells us to tithe and steward our resources back into his kingdom, you know, rather than living by faith, friends, what many of us do what? We live by sight. We count and crunch all the numbers, and we have this, sometimes these internal arguments with God, but God... I see all these people around me with, you know, much bigger finances. They have much nicer houses or cars or vacations. And God, if I tithe this much or if I keep tithing this much or tithe even more, then God, I'm going to fall that much farther behind in life. I don't know if I can do this. Or friends, think about when God tells you to forgive someone that has wronged you, hurt you, or sinned against you. As Christ has forgiven you. That's in the Bible. But friends, when you hear that and when someone sins against you or wrongs you, the last thing you, know, you want to do is live by faith. Friends, you'd much rather live by sight because what your sight tells you is, God, look at that person. They don't deserve my forgiveness. They're not even sorry, and they don't even realize how much they've hurt me or offended me. Why would I forgive them? This makes no sense. Why would I do this? Now, friends, imagine, as we come back to this passage, imagine that these 10 lepers did that, that they did what you and I oftentimes do. Imagine if they just stood there trying to reason or argue with Jesus, but Jesus, you have to heal us first, or Jesus, I don't know if I can go. 
Imagine if they did that instead of going to the priest in obedience and in faith. Friends, they would have never experienced the freedom and the blessedness that Jesus was offering them if they had just walked purely by sight. You know, brothers and sisters, I genuinely believe that there is a level of freedom and blessing and blessedness in our lives that you and I are oftentimes, we're missing out on. We're missing out on it, not because we don't have enough faith or our faith is not strong enough, but friends, we're missing out on it because so often we choose to compartmentalize our faith into only those specific areas of our lives that we feel comfortable living by faith in, then in every other area of life, we just we live by sight, we live according to the, rest, the way the rest of the world does. So, brothers and sisters, the question for us today is, are there any areas of your life here today that you have been walking purely by sight in? In other words, friends, are there areas in your life that Jesus may be calling you to step out and walk out in obedience and in faith? But, friends, you've been so hesitant. You've been so resistant because of your comfort or your autonomy or what you want. And friends, if there is, I pray that this passage would be a reminder for us, like these lepers, friends, to walk by faith, and not just when it comes to our salvation or relationship with God, but friends, in every area of life that Jesus commands and calls us to, and not just by sight. Friends, this leads us to our last point. The final thing that we see in this passage is a cry of thankfulness. Now, if you read uh, verses 15 through 19 again with me, these are the closing verses of this passage. Uh, Luke writes this in verses 15 through 19. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, friends, the final heart posture that we see here in this passage that leads to restoration and that accompanies spiritual restoration and this heart posture that sets this one leper apart from the other nine is thankfulness. You know, as these 10 lepers, they're on their way to see the priest. They're listening to Jesus' uh, commandment to go see the priest. And they realize what's just happened. As they're walking, the leprosy's gone. They've been miraculously healed and cleansed. And Luke tells us that only one of the lepers, who was a Samaritan, turned around to go thank Jesus. Only one of them. And the assumption is the other nine lepers who are Jewish continued going to the priest so that they could get recertified back into the community, so that they could get admitted to their families again and admitted into the temple again. And brothers and sisters, to Luke's original readers, this would have been shocking to them, borderline scandalous. Because friends, if you didn't know, back in Jesus' day, Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. They absolutely hated each other as separate racial groups. Samaritans were considered half-breeds by Jewish people. They were looked down upon by the Jews because they were a mixed race. They were mixed Assyrian blood with Jewish blood. And friends, they were also considered to be apostates and traitors by the Jews because they had different worship practices than Jewish people. They're slightly different religious beliefs. And so, friends, the irony of this passage is this. Out of the ten lepers, out of all ten, the one who ends up, actually ends up going to thank Jesus is the one who's least likely to do it, the one who naturally should be Jesus' enemy. It should hate Jesus. And brothers and sisters, here's the point. You know, many people, when you're kind of just reading this, this passage, they mistakenly believe that this passage teaches us that the one Samaritan leper was the only leper who was thankful for his healing in this passage, and that the point of this passage is just 
Be more thankful in life. Be more grateful. Count your blessings. But friends, that's actually not true. All 10 lepers here in this passage, don't get it wrong, they were thankful. Of course they were thankful. They had just been given their lives back through a miracle. But friends, the only difference is the other nine lepers were so absorbed, so focused on the blessing that they had received that they couldn't even spare a thought for where or who that blessing came from or who it pointed to. In other words, friends, the actions of the nine lepers revealed that at the end of the day, what they wanted, what they cared about the most was the healing that Jesus could offer them. (laughs) Friends, they didn't necessarily want anything to do with Jesus himself. In other words, friends, they were thankful for the gift, but they were not thankful to or for the giver of that gift. In his book, God is the Gospel, John Piper, I've quoted this before, but I think it's always so poignant and challenging. But in his book, God is the Gospel, John Piper, he once wrote this, talking about, as he does, our affections as Christians. And he said in his book, the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, no, no COVID, with all the friends you ever had on earth, all the food you ever liked, all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ weren't there? Friends, could you be satisfied with that picture of heaven if Jesus was the only thing that was missing from that? Now, friends, think about it for these lepers, for the nine lepers. See, for the nine, after they realized that they had just been healed, to them, it probably felt like they had been given a taste of heaven. Just think about it. They were miraculously healed from their leprosy, which many of them were probably suffering from for years. They could return to their friends and family after all this time. They could finally enjoy all the things in life that they were restricted from doing while they had leprosy for all those years. It was probably a picture and a taste of heaven. Yet, friends, where were they headed as soon as they realized this? Where were they headed? Away from Jesus. They were headed, in other words, back still towards the priest so that they could go and secure all those things for themselves so that they could go back to this life that they craved and desired. But friends, for the one Samaritan leper, as soon as he realizes what happened, he does a 180. He turns around and his life trajectory is now, it's headed where? Back to Jesus. Headed straight back to Jesus. Not just headed to the blessings that Jesus had made possible for him. Friends, you know, sometimes I think we as Christians, we focus so much on the things that God blesses us with, which are good. You know, peace, comfort, a comfortable life, security from guilt and from shame, a happier marriage or happier family life, all good things, friends. But we focus so much on those things that at times they almost become more important to us than the God who gives us those things. And so, brothers and sisters, the question for us here today is, Do the blessings that you receive from God, do they point your heart and the trajectory of your life back to God like the Samaritan leper? Or friends, do the blessings that you experience in your life that God gives you, do they point you away from him like the other nine towards securing this life that you crave and desire for yourself, all these blessings? Friends, if you could put it another way, friends, is Jesus... Is he the object of your love and your affection here this morning? Or friends, are just his gifts and the things that he can offer you and give you? And friends, as we come to a close, I know that this has been somewhat of a a challenging message 
for many of us and for myself included. But friends, I want to end with this encouragement for all of us here today. Friends, the point of this passage, it's not actually an exhortation to just uh, recognize your neediness, have more faith, and to just, you know, be more thankful in life, be more grateful. That's not the point. Because friends, the truth is, even when you and I don't display any of these heart postures in our lives, we don't acknowledge our neediness and our desperation and brokenness for God. We don't walk by faith, but we walk by sight. We're not grateful in our lives or thankful to God who is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Friends, even when you and I don't do that, friends, the beauty of this passage is this, and the good news is this. Jesus is still the Savior who comes after you and who pursues you. Friends, in the Old Testament, did you know that when you saw a leper standing there at the dis- from a distance or approaching you from a distance, do you know what you're supposed to do in the Old Testament? You're supposed to run away. You're supposed to book it the other direction. In other words, you're supposed to start walking the opposite direction or avoid that person. Because they, they can make you unclean. They could give you their illness and their disease. But friends, in this passage, what do we see Jesus do? When he approaches this village from a distance, and he sees these 10 lepers standing there. Friends, he doesn't avoid them. He doesn't turn from them. He doesn't revile them. But friends, he approaches them, he meets them, and he heals them. He has compassion on them. He has mercy on them as they ask. But friends, not only did Jesus do that in this passage, but friends, even before Jesus became incarnate and walked on this earth, friends, when he looked down from heaven, which is the true, pure, and holy temple of God, and he looked down upon sinful humanity, spiritual lepers like you and me, who are banished from God's presence, friends, Jesus could have turned the other way. He could have avoided us. He could have reviled us. But friends, instead, he chose not only to approach us, but he chose to take our place. See, on the cross, Jesus took on the spiritual leprosy of your sin and mine. And friends, on the cross, he was declared unclean. He was banished from the presence of God. So friends, you and I could be made white as snow and that we could be welcomed into God's presence and temple as his holy and beloved children that Jesus has cleansed. So brothers and sisters, as we come to a close, in light of what Christ has done for us, who are undeserving like these lepers. Friends, I pray that we would strive to walk with him each day with a renewed sense of our need and desperation for him, with a renewed sense of faith in Jesus. But friends, most of all, with a renewed sense of thankfulness. Thankfulness and gratitude, friends, for the ones who has healed and who has restored and who has redeemed us as his children. Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this reminder for, from your word here today, Lord, that oftentimes, Lord, we don't acknowledge and realize just how needy and dependent we are. Lord, we oftentimes think we can just get through life on our own and that we don't need you that much. Lord, so often we choose to live our lives by sight and not by the faith that you call us to in so many areas of our lives. And Lord, most of all, many of us, Lord, in life, rather than living lives of thankfulness to and for you, Lord, we take your blessings for granted, Lord. And Father, all we desire is just, at times, just more of them. But Lord, we repent of these things here this morning. And we thank you, Lord, that despite all of our brokenness and our failings, God, that Jesus, you still have mercy. You still have compassion on broken people like us. So thank you, Lord, for your mercy and for your grace to us. And help us to live lives, Lord, that step out in faith and obedience, following the Savior who gave himself up for us. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.